We talked about a few elements that need to be in the church of not only yesteryear or yesterday, but we talked about a few of the elements that we need in a church. Someone say today. We do need an apostolic church today. We do need a church that continues in the apostles' doctrine today. We, knew, we do need a church that, that is praying today because God promised that in that kind of church, God would add to the church daily such as should be saved. God doesn't intend for church to be a Sunday activity. I'm grateful for the Sunday activity that we have. I, I'm glad that we're all gathered together here. But, but God, in his mind, sees that the church is in action, someone say daily. It's a, it's a daily activity in God's mind. The church doesn't stop and the doors don't close. The lights don't go down. It doesn't get dim or quiet in God's church. God's church continues day after day, hour upon hour. As a matter of fact, I'm so grateful to be a part of a fellowship that the sun never sets on the apostolic church. And, and that's just us. That's just a few that we know about. I, I believe that the church is bigger than we are. I, I think that the underground church is China, in China is larger than we could ever imagine. I, I believe that truth has been revealed and that revelation has been given to groups of individuals that we have yet to come into contact with. I'm believing that because God's church is greater than we are. I'm just grateful to be a part of that great church today. I, I'm grateful that we know a message of salvation. I'm thankful that we can declare a God of deliverance today. I'm glad that we can come into a room and have confidence and say, God can turn your life around. I'm grateful today that we are a part of that kind of church. So in all of the things that we need, I just wanted to continue with two more points today, if that's okay. Number one, we need the, the kind of church that a city needs. The kind, the kind of church is a preaching church. Now, I, I know that we have an idea about what preaching is. It's this odd little activity that, that a speaker stands at the front and hearers sit in the pew. I know that. I, I, I know that we invest money in PA so that people can hear the speaker better or the preacher better. And I'm thankful for it. I sat there this morning and said, this sounds so good. Thank you, Signature Sound. If your signature is on that, we're grateful for the sound that we hear today. I, was, I, I just noticed a few little things like that, that I could hear Kathy's S's. I mean, I hear them all the time, but I'll, it just, it was great job, team, this morning. Great job. And sometimes if we're not careful, preaching can become this little activity. You know, it's an odd little activity. Most people choose the content that they want to hear and then they go and listen to that content. Nobody, with the exception of Brandon Pike, knew what you were going to hear this morning. Brandon was here early this morning, landed in my office and got the notes to do some preparation for what we're going to preach about this morning, but... but Preaching is one of those, you didn't pick the content this morning. I'd just say maybe the content picked you today. Because not only do we read the Word of God, so often the Word of God reads us. And, and I've been in the audience before when the preaching of God's Word came forward and it changed my life. It transformed a circumstance that I was walking through. I, I can remember messages that pastors preached that has impacted and changed course and direction in my life. I, I remember, and it just didn't happen from a pulpit. 
Because preaching isn't limited to this place. Preaching is the opportunity that we have to declare God's word wherever we are to someone that needs to hear it. Tap your neighbor this morning and say, you're a preacher. (laughs) I knew I was going to get a little response like that. Try the other side, hit them a little harder and say, you're a preacher. I've heard some great sermons preached uh, via webcast. I've heard great sermons preached from the passenger seat of our automobile. I've heard great sermons preached across the tables at Tim Hortons. I've heard great sermons preached in in various places. I've heard phenomenal messages that have impacted me and and teachers and preachers. And and pastor says, well, teaching is the strength of the church and preaching is the reach of the church. A, A city needs that kind of church. But a city just doesn't need one man with a message to be all the preaching that it hears. Can I just remind everybody today that you're a preacher, so the message that you've got, it needs to be declared from your seat to someone in your passenger seat. It needs to be declared from your seat at Tim Hortons across the table to someone that's across the table from you. You are the preacher that our city needs today. Yeah, that's all right. You're a great preacher. You're the great preacher today. Preaching is a part of what Jesus intended for the church to, to, to do. It said that Jesus modeled it. Jesus preached Matthew 4. It said he went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Well, that's Jesus, of course. Jesus went to all cities and the, <clears throat> all the cities and villages preaching this in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease among them Matthew 4 Matthew 9 Matthew 11 the blind he spoke to John's disciples and he said tell John the blind receive their sight the lame walk the lepers are cleansed the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached unto them if there was anything that Jesus modeled it wasn't that you need to be in four walls with a PA system to preach If it was anything that Jesus wanted us to get, he began with his disciples. He, he, yeah, he went to the synagogue as his custom was. He was a part of what happened there. He read the word. He was that preacher in the pulpit a few times, but more often than not, Jesus became the preacher on the hillside. Jesus became the preacher in the city. Jesus became the preacher to the one that was on the wayside. Jesus was the preacher that said, you don't need four walls and a PA system to preach. Our city needs preachers in every corner of itself. It needs preachers on the north side. It needs preachers on the south side. It needs preachers on the east side. And it needs preachers on the west side. Our city needs preachers with a message to be preached today. He commanded that the, that the gospel be preached. He told his disciples, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Matthew, 10, Matthew chapter 10, he said, as you go, preach. He didn't say as you go with the church team on witnessing. He, he, said, he didn't say as you go with the church team to do outreach. He, he didn't say yeah, as you go with a group. of. He just said as you go, preach. Could you tap that preacher, whichever preacher responded best to you a minute ago. Tap that preacher and say, as you go, preach. 
Because what you've got is too good to contain. What you've got is too good to, to keep on the inside. What, what you've got is too good to keep quiet. You've got some good news. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you've got that good news, then you can be that good preacher. Our city needs a preaching church. Not just a church that preaches. It needs a preaching church. As you go preach. He said, what I tell you in darkness, that speak in light. And what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. Don't keep it quiet. He said, I, I, I'm going to release some stuff to you, but, but it's not so you can just kind of keep it to yourself. And so you can keep, he said, what I'm talking to you about, he said, I want you to get in the high place and begin to declare it. I want you to get in the audience of individuals and begin to tell them what I can do for them. That's the power of preaching. And of course, we, we sense some resistance. And it, I, can, I can already tell in the room this morning, it's one of those times when if we just hold on long enough, he'll move on. If, he, if, if we hold out, he'll move out. disinterested <laughs> no 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 we can I, can I just back up one more time and say you all are preachers this morning and we need you end time revival rests in your hand end time promise from the front to the back I have nobody in my mind that I've excluded this morning and God doesn't either if you're able to proclaim the good news then there's a world that's full of bad news that needs what you've got don't hold back it's time to step up and begin to declare let me talk to you for a moment about what God can do in your life let me give a testimony about what God has done in my life our world is in need of preachers we've got too much proclamation about everything that's wrong in the world we've got too much proclamation about bad news it's about time that our world heard a little good news and I believe that 300 400 500 people from this place this morning could begin to turn a city upside down why because we've got some good news that our world needs today it's time to turn our world upside down our world needs a church that's willing to preach today and of course of course it, it it rubs rubs us a little bit wrong because even the bible says for the preaching of the cross to them that perish is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved it is the power of god so paul acknowledged he said yeah it's going to feel foolish when you start preaching it's going to feel foolish when everybody else is talking about Montreal and Toronto in the playoffs. And for the record, I'm glad they won. Montreal, I mean. Sorry, Toronto. I felt bad with you guys for, for a few seconds. Never read so much about hockey my whole life. Oh, keep holding on. Sorry. The only time I would ever even be interested in the Stanley Cup playoffs is if a Canadian team is in it. 
Did I just step on toes? It's going to feel odd. It's going to, it's going to feel fool. You're going to feel a little foolish if in the middle of those conversations you begin to interject something about what God could do. And maybe that's all the hope that Toronto has. I don't know. There's your in. Yes. I hear you, Toronto. <laughs> I just got a text that said, help him, Lord. <laughs> Let's back up, because we don't want to do foolish preaching today. It's the preaching of the cross to them that perish. It's foolishness. The preaching is the power to transform lives. Preaching is that power that, that in the most dire of circumstances, the word of God shoots in and it's the anchor that sustains someone. It's the lighthouse that is the beacon of hope for someone that's drifting. It's, it's the lifeboat in the midst of the angry sea for someone that is swimming their last stroke. All of a sudden, the word of God comes in and it rescues the perishing. It turns lives upside down. It turns lives around and it doesn't make sense until it's declared and you see what's happening. That's the power of God's work. And I just remind somebody this morning that, that you have that kind of power. You've got that kind of authority. You've got that kind of opportunity that you can declare God's word and someone that was going down for the last time ha, ha, finally has something to hold on to finally has something that that they didn't have before but, but, but God just kind of put you in their path at the right time in the right moment just at the last breath all of a sudden God put you in their path and they reached up and got a hold of hope they reached up and got a hold of life in the midst of hopelessness all of of a sudden God allowed you to become the preacher that they needed it may feel foolish it's just the enemy that wants you to feel foolish it's just culture it's just the enemy's agenda that wants you to feel foolish let me just remind somebody that that preaching that you're able to proclaim it's the good news that somebody needs so don't be shy don't hold back be willing to say ah i've got something i want to share with you i got hope that i want to declare to you today god can turn this around God can turn it around. God can. Would you just praise God for a moment? That New Testament church modeled what Christ had given to them. It said in Acts 5, daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 8, therefore they that were scattered abroad... They had some distressing circumstances happen. This, the church was scattered abroad after Stephen's death. But, but it says that as they were scattered abroad, everywhere they went, they preached the word. Preaching. You say, well, shouldn't they have been hiding? No. They said, well, we got two choices. We can hide or we can preach. What are you going to pick? 
That's big preaching because preaching is going to turn this around. Preaching is going to save the world. They had a mandate. They had a focus. They had an intention. And everywhere that they went, they began to preach. And, and then the Bible says, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. In Acts 14 and 7, it said they preached the gospel. Acts 14, it said, and, and they, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Everywhere that they went, all of a sudden, the pulpit showed up. All of a sudden, the word of God got laid out. All of a sudden, it said, you know, why don't we just take a minute and talk a little bit about what God could do in the midst of this mess that we're talking in. Let's talk about how God is a healer. Let's talk about how God is a deliverer. Let, let's talk about what God can do. I, I know it's a distressing circumstance. and I know it's a season filled with sorrow. But let's just talk for a minute about what God could do. You have that opportunity. So it seemed like everywhere, if you, if you just did a search for preach in the word of God, you'd find over 145 instances about preached preaching, preach, that, that it's, it's a mandate, it's a focus, it's an intention. God needs preachers. And you are one of them. So if we are to be a preacher, what, what should preaching do? Number, number one, preaching should convict. Preaching should direct. Preaching should help us discern right from wrong. This may be the only place that, that somebody hears about what maybe they shouldn't do. Let me say that a little clearer. This may be one of the only places left where people will hear what's wrong. Preaching should be that, that work that happens in the supernatural realm where when God's word is declared and somebody realizes, here's God's word, but here's my life. I got to line up. I, I got to come back into order. I, I'm, I'm out of place. I'm, I'm going the wrong way on a one way. Preaching should convict. With Peter in Acts 2, 37, when they heard this, the preaching of Peter, they were pricked in their heart and said Peter, unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? When Stephen was finished preaching in Acts chapter 7, it said when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Two different results, I might add. The message was heard from Peter, but with Stephen, they stoned him. I'm not saying that everyone's going to receive the message that you've got to preach, but I'm reminding you that you still have a mandate. Preach. We, the responsibility is not left up to us. The response is in the heart of the hearer. What they do with what they've got is up to them, but we have a requirement and a, and a responsibility. I'll tell you what, what kind of church uh, our city needs. Our city needs a church full of people that are willing to preach regardless of what somebody's response may be. Because who are you to determine how someone will respond? I'm sure that when Brother McKean sat across the desk from my father, that was a wild... In, in Brother McKean's words, he said, Victor, you're a wild young man, but God can turn your life around. I'm sure that when he looked at my dad, he didn't intend for those words to ever land in soil that was suitable for the seed that he had just presented. I'm sure that when he sat across from my dad, he never intended for Victor Lehman to ever become anything 
by God, by God's standards, maybe by God's grace. He was just mandated. He was just mandated to preach the word. Victor, God can turn your life around. That's all he said. But those words never left my dad. And when, ga- when dad got in an impossible situation where he needed God to turn his life around, he remembered the words of a preacher that said, God can turn your life around. Simple words, simple sentence, just a simple message that was preached across the desk to a couple unassuming young people. But that message never left my dad's head and it never left my dad's heart. And here we are today, just a, about 50 years later because of a simple message preached by a simple man that's the power of a spoken word I think it had all the elements of a good sermon dad was probably convicted he may never have had somebody tell him you're a wild young man but all the wrecked cars from drunk driving in the backfield over in Kingston Peninsula would tell you Yeah, he's a wild young man. But here's what I know. The rest of that sermon came out to be all right. But God can turn your life around. If you dig deep enough in the field of Kingston Peninsula, you'll find some old, rotten, rusty cars. But if you dig deep enough in his life, you'll find where he knelt at an altar and allowed God to turn his life around. That's the power of somebody willing to preach the gospel. So preaching should convict too. Preaching should convert. Because that's the power of God's word. It should It will. Believe it. Have faith in it. God's not, he's not holding back. If he declared for us to go and preach the gospel, it wasn't so there'd be empty pews. If God declared us to go and preach the gospel, it wasn't because he he didn't intend for the church to grow. He, He commanded us to preach because he wants the church to grow daily. There are people waiting to be saved right now but they need a preacher the danger is that preaching can become performance paul cautioned timothy he said the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but will after their own lust heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and be turned into fables but watch thou in all things Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. Preach the truth, Timothy. Don't turn back. Don't, don't become just, just something that people want to hear. But declare God's word with authority and with power because we have a world that needs it. We had one lady upset with us one time here at CCC because her complaint was that we preached the gospel in almost every single message. Here's all I know. The gospel still works. And I'll preach it again. In your life you need death, burial, and resurrection. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus died for our sins. The better news is that he was buried in a borrowed tomb because he wasn't going to need it very long. And the great news is that he rose again because of resurrection power. 
That's some good news. But all it is is print on paper unless we say, you know what, let's apply it to our lives. And that's where some of us are today. You know how you apply the gospel to your life? Repentance is the death to yourself. Burial is the baptism in waters of repentance. In waters of baptism. Resurrection is that spirit infilling with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the spirit gives the utterance. That's resurrection power. If the same spirit that dwelt in Christ dwell in you, it shall quicken your mortal bodies. I'm telling the world today, and I'm reminding all of you, we have good news. That God can take lifeless lives and turn them around. We rise to walk in newness of life out of waters of baptism. And we are filled with his spirit for power and authority and purpose and intention. God has a plan for this church of today. That's the gospel. That's as hard as it gets. That's as simple as it gets for somebody. If you're ready to take those next steps, we're ready for you today. Because we're the kind of church that a city needs. A city needs that kind of church that's willing to preach the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And still is the best news today it still is the best news today if if jesus didn't hold back with nicodemus and he said marvel not that i say unto thee he must be born again we don't have the right to hold back if peter declared on the day of pentecost when they said what shall, what must we do he said here's what you've got to do repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the holy ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off even as many as the lord our god shall call we need a preaching church we need a preaching church and finally, this morning, we need a reaching church. Peter said it at the end of that verse, and maybe you didn't catch it because you were fo focused on repent, baptism, and spirit and filling. But at the bottom of that last verse, it said, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. God is still calling. Anyone got your phone this morning? I don't know what kind of calls you may get today, but here's what I got to remind you. God's calling. God's calling your life. God's calling you to hope. God's calling you to promise. God's, God's calling everyone, not, not only people that are here in this room. God's calling someone on the other side of that lens this morning. God's calling. But if God's call reaches them, but we never do, it leaves them lost. You see, you may not remember this, but back in the 90s, there was a slogan of American Express called um, American Express. I didn't have American Express in the 90s. Some of you are thinking, I wasn't even alive in the 90s, all of our graduates. <laughs> but the slogan of American Express was membership has its privileges. It meant that when you paid that little annual fee, you became a part of an exclusive group of members that had benefits and privileges. The problem is that privilege shouts exclusive. And this is where the New Testament church was just about that time in Acts that Peter preached. It's quite a combination of individuals if you think about it. They had been raised in the traditions of Judaism, but God had chosen that time to transition them from that dispensation of law into the dispensation of grace. They were caught between two dispensations. And what had been exclusively theirs now became inclusive 
for everyone. And that was a bit of a head trip for them to get their head around. What had been theirs all of a sudden became, their, uh, became everyone's. I'll say it this way. What was theirs became ours. What had been exclusive was now inclusive. And these disciples were still locked in the mentality that those from outside of the family of Israel were outside of the covenant relationship that God had established with Abraham. And so you see the bit of the problem that they had. They were challenged to preach, and Peter even said it, to all that are afar off. But surely God doesn't mean them. But this morning, can I remind you that that message is still to all that are afar off. And we need to be a reaching church. And I will celebrate with you every missions opportunity that we take advantage of. And I will rejoice with you with every missionary that marches through here on deputation and we commission them into a harvest field and we lay hands on them for covering and for protection and for power and authority. But can I just remind everybody just about the same that this one preacher in this pulpit can't preach to all of Fredericton, but you can. Can I remind you that those missionaries can't be sent to all the world, but you will. The reach needs to happen beyond just this room this morning. We need a reaching church. We need a church that preaches, but, but what good is preaching if we just keep it all here to ourselves? That's when we need to reach. And our, our reach may be in our neighborhood. Let me tell you, your greatest reach may be in the house next door to you. Can we just enlarge our bubbles a bit? I mean, legally? Can we stretch our circle of influence? I'm like you, I have a comfort zone. And I have people I'm comfortable with. They're all just a little crazy like me. I've got, we all have that. But the challenge that comes to us in the Holy Ghost is that you need to include some other people. Because your circle's too small. Your reach is too limited. It's about as beneficial as an ingrown toenail. Sometimes if, you, if, if we just keep this all to ourselves and we just hold on and hunker in the bunker until Jesus comes, then we haven't accomplished the purpose that God has challenged us to accomplish. We need to reach out beyond. And the reach, we, we think about South America and we think about across oceans and across the globe and, and we think about spinning that globe until we place our finger on some place we've never been or never seen and we'll pray for them. But can I remind you that missions and reach may be right across the road. That may be the reach that God is calling you to do. I thought to myself this morning, we've, we've got to do a better job about reminding us all about what's happening in Oromocto so that we don't, we aren't really missing prayer for them. I'm grateful for what Pastor Mike and Kathy are doing in that little community, that community of Oromocto. I'm not going to limit it. It ain't little. I'm grateful for what God is doing there, but we need to pray for them. But you know what? If you're down at Frenchie's, you have the opportunity to reach. 
If you're down there for coffee or for a hamburger, you're down there just sightseeing, then you have the opportunity to be the church that reaches into that community. A reach means that it's beyond your grasp. A reach means that you get out of the comfort zone. A reach means that you get up out of the lazy boy so you can accomplish the task. A reach means that you go out beyond a reach. A reach means that you get your foot in some unstable territory because you've got to reach out until you can get a hold of somebody and pull them back to the promise that God has prepared for their life. It's time to reach, CCC. It's time to reach. It's time to reach this morning. We can come back to the music. It's time to reach today. It was Cornelius that waited while the church prayed in the upper room, and you may or may not have heard me preach that message that Cornelius is waiting Cornelius is waiting. He said that he was a devout man. He, he had prayed prayers. He had, he had prayed and asked God to intervene. And he had prayed for the promise that God had for he and his family. But until the church got up out of Jerusalem, until Caesarea was impacted with the message of the gospel, he would never hear what he needed to hear until, until the church was willing to reach I feel that conviction coming in the room this morning. I don't want to just be a church that preaches and not be a church that reaches. Tap that same great preacher beside you when you tell him you're a reacher. It was the Taj Mahal. Max Lucado wrote a haunting account of one of the legends. It's a love story turned tragedy. The Mughal emperor, Shah Jahan, had a wife, his favorite wife, and she passed away, died, devastated. I was doing a little research last night, and it said that uh, during the birth of their 14th child, I said, she didn't die, he killed her. may have just lost the whole illustration right there. Devastated, he, he resolved to honor her by... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he tried to pay her back for what, what he put her through. No. He resolved to honor her by constructing a temple that would serve as her tomb, her coffin. Her coffin was placed in the center of a large parcel of land and the construction of the temple began around it. No expense would be spared to make her final resting place magnificent. 20,000 artisans. It's not paint that you would see on the walls. It's a tomb. It's stone inlaid in marble. Marble. That softer stone would be cut out and precious, semi-precious stones would be cut carefully and laid, inlaid into that marble. It was a resting place for his wife that he loved. It was a resting place and, and they said that everything is ornate and everything is perfectly symmetrical except for the burial area. Everything is 
done with immense precision and and even now, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, it's only just one of those pillars that has a slight tilt of one and a half inches to it. Tremendous architecture, phenomenal cost, great artisan. It's beautiful. It's a memorial to, to love. But Max Lucado writes and he says, as the weeks turned into months, the Shah's grief was eclipsed by his passion for the project. He no longer mourned her absence. The construction consumed him. And one day while walking from one side of the construction site to the other, his leg bumped against a wooden box, now forgotten. The prince brushed the dust off of his leg and ordered a worker to remove that box. But what Shah John didn't know was that he had just ordered the disposal of the coffin, now forgotten, hidden beneath the layers of dust and time. The purpose for his passion had been misdirected to such a degree that he had dismissed the very reason he was working in the first place. And some of us would say, well, that's just a legend and it's difficult to believe and perhaps Perhaps you're right, but it's still eerie, nevertheless. Could, could somebody really build a temple for someone and then forget why? Could somebody really construct a palace and then forget the king? Could, could a church really become a club or a center? It's most interesting sometimes to look online for input on what people feel like the role of the church is. I did a little research last week prior to preaching and I found this study that had said that they defined the role of the church in contemporary society. This one article assessed and assumed our responsibility with the following quote. Christians believe it is their duty to help others. Individual churches can do a number of things to help unite local communities and to assist homeless and poor people. And I agree, we should. We could. We will. Then the article went on and said that we need church and community cohesion. Christians believe it's part of their duty to act in a moral way, and this involves helping others around them. And the church can play a vital role in assisting Christians to help others by providing food banks and collecting food for the homeless, help for individuals, housing justice, places for people to live, many non-religious functions that can take place in church buildings need to be acted on. Youth groups, community meetings, adult education classes, charity events, coffee mornings, birthday parties, concerts. And I read down through and it was four pages in and the last three points that I finally found. Finally found one mention of what I feel like the greatest responsibility of the church is. And it wasn't even something that they ascertained would be necessary. It was something that they had mentioned came up as a point of conflict by some individuals. It said some individuals feel like churches are for conversion. I was like, that is what churches are for. It took four pages of everything that's secondary to get to the priority and you used it in the negative. That 
is what God intends his church to do. We are here to convert the lost. We are here to reach the perishing. We are here. Our greatest responsibility after salvation is evangelism. It's to reach a world that's lost. We can have the greatest preachers, but if we don't have any reachers, we'll never be what God has called us to be. I wonder if you'd stand together with me this morning. Our challenge this morning is that we can't get so focused on what we are building that we forget about why we even exist. But against all of that context, I'm so grateful that what I feel in this room this morning is an opposition. We we chuckled a little bit about it being a little tight, but I'm so thankful that this morning I feel a response in the spirit that someone says, Pastor Jack, Pastor Woodward, Pastor Matt, you're not the only preachers in the room. Brother Curtis, I'm looking forward to tonight, but you're not the only preacher in the room. Tap your neighbor one more time, tell me you're a preacher. Tell them one more time that so you're a reacher. The kind, of, the kind of church our city needs is that kind of church, someone that will preach the gospel that's full of promise to someone that feels like they're beyond the reach. Our responsibility is to bring hope to them and rescue them today. What a tremendous, tremendous privilege we have. I wonder if we could just lift our hands and begin to experience the promise that God wants to bring. If you're in the room this morning and you've never experienced salvation, then this could very well be your morning. If you've never experienced repentance, that's what these altars are for. That's why we prepare a place and set chairs back. It isn't so that we can have the aisles for people to walk in. It's so, that, it's so that people can come because this represents a place where you can lay down your past and walk into promise. This, is, this represents a place where you can leave the old behind and walk into the hope that God has for you because you may be a wild young man, but God can turn your life around. You, you may be a disoriented young lady, but God can turn your life around. You, you may be without direction this morning, but I, I just, I'll just use the same simple sermon that Brother McKean used years ago, but God can turn your life around. I, I don't know what direction you're headed in, but you know it's the wrong direction, and, and I just came with a simple word this morning. God can turn your life around. These altars reorient compasses in lives. These altars redirect people back on the path to promise. These altars are places where you can just put some stuff down and say, God, here's my life, but, but I, I'm just asking that, that you do your work this morning. And so I know in the midst of COVID restrictions, and I'll, I'll put a mask on, but I just want to make a, an appeal for somebody to come to the altar this morning. And maybe somebody that this is the first time the first time in your life where you're redirecting your path. It, it may be the first time in your life, but you, you know what happens? Repentance is saying, I'm going to turn my life around. That's all it is. It, it may be just as you stand here this morning that you would make a declaration and say, God, here I am. Turn my life around this morning. 
It may be your next, maybe you've already repented. It may be that your next step is baptism. We'll be prepared to baptize you this morning. It may be in the river. It may be at another church nearby, but, but we're prepared to baptize you this morning. Would you pray together? We're going to sing a song in a minute. I'm going to open these altars. And, and it may just be that the church, that challenge rested on you today. And you're going to commit to, to reach. And you're going to commit to preach today. But, but would you just pray together with me, Father? The greatest privilege that we will ever have is to rest with this responsibility of being your church. God, out of 7 billion, 7.9 billion people in the world that you... God, that you've picked this place this morning to declare truth is still a weighty responsibility to us. A tremendous privilege that comes at a tremendous cost of heritage and history and God, the blood that you purchased us with. But this morning we are praying that you will let us leave challenged and changed and committed focused God that we'll leave this morning with intention to be not just not just attend a church but God that we will we will be commissioned to be the church that a city needs today God allow our voice to echo your words we pray allow your light to shine through ours Let us be that city that's set on a hill that cannot be hid. But God, not just that. Let us be a marching, moving force that would reach the world for your cause today. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you sing together with us? And if you just want to make a few steps as we begin to close the service this morning.